Today on Hardwired. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us because anything Satan throws at us, any mistake we make, anything that comes against us, God turns it according to his sovereign power for our good. It's gonna work for your good. No matter what it looks like, it's gonna work for your good. God's gonna turn it for your good, no matter what it is, even when it's pain. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin talking about some of the main Bible characters that went through some really, really hard times. I'm so thankful the Bible is truthful about the heroes that we find within its pages. And today we're going to talk about a lady named Hannah and how Hannah was able to come back from really a place of despair. Hannah was about to give up on life. She had reached such a place of desperation that all she could do is fall down on her face and cry out to God for deliverance. And God brought it. And I believe this is where many of you are right now. And this is going to be an encouraging word for you. I want you to be sure to tune in, grab your Bible, make some notes, and let's allow the Word of God to speak to us today as we see how Hannah rose from her troubles to a place of incredible triumph. Let's go. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. Let's turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to begin a new series today that I'm going to call God Never Wastes a Pain. God Never Wastes a Pain. How many of you know that's true? Say, I don't know if I'm going to like this series, Pastor. Oh, you're going to like this series. How many of you have had a little bit of pain since you were saved? How many of you had some pain this week? How many of you are pain-free always? All right, God never wastes a pain. And we're jumping into the book of Samuel, chapter 1, verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim. Just saying, that gives me pain. <laughs> of the mountains of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, or Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and a bunch of other sons. Verse 2, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. 
and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Say with me, the male ego is always the same. <laughs> the answer, no. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost by the tabernacle of the Lord, and she, that is, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, sitting by the tabernacle, was watching her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Two more verses. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, which means heard by God, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you, Lord, that you're able to make all things work together for our good. And you never even waste a pain. Blessed in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's going to bless you with this today. Amen. Well, I'm going to call this today Hannah Rose. Hannah Rose. Now, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be ministering on the subject, God Never Wastes a Pain. Today's message is called Hannah Rose, how Hannah got the victory in unbearable circumstances. How Hannah got victory in unbearable circumstances. Then next week, I'm going to speak on Joseph's injustice, how Joseph overcame bitter betrayal. Then the third week, I'm going to be speaking on David's dilemma, how David persevered in the midst of relentless persecution and prevailed. And then the fourth week, I'm going to talk about Peter's denial, how Peter overcame crushing failure. Now, the Bible promises, and this is sort of the keynote verse for the whole series, the Bible promises in Romans 8, 28, this is the Amplified Bible, all things, can you say with me, all things? Amen. Now, I want you to say it really like you mean it. As a matter of fact, preach it to me because you're going to remember those two words as we go through this series. Let's say it together. Ready? 
all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God, you have been touched by God because the Bible says we love him only because he took the initiative and first loved us. We wouldn't love God if he hadn't first loved us. So he courted us, he approached us, he pursued us, now we love God. And if we love God, we're called according to his plan. I want you to say with me today, I'm called. I'm called of God. All things, all things covers a lot of things, good and bad, easy and hard, understandable things and things not understandable, exciting things, dull things, successes and failures, all things. Also includes pain-free times and painful times. The promise to every believer is that our God is never checkmated by circumstances. He's never checkmated by the devil. He's never checkmated by us. He always, 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 I'm gonna say it again, always makes us triumph in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us because anything Satan throws at us, any mistake we make, anything that comes against us, God turns it according to his sovereign power for our good. It's gonna work for your good. No matter what it looks like, it's gonna work for your good. God's gonna turn it for your good, no matter what it is, even when it's pain. It's easy to imagine God using the things that we enjoy. It's easy to imagine God using the things that bring happiness and fulfillment to work his will out in our lives. But it's harder to see how in the world God is gonna use those things that are difficult and that bring pain to us. But the truth is, God never even wastes a pain. God never wastes a pain. Everybody say, God is in charge. Now the book of Samuel opens up with a man, Alcana, and we find Alcana in a polygamous marriage. His first wife's name is Hannah, and Hannah is barren. The second wife's name is Peninnah, who we are told has borne multiple sons and daughters to Elkanah. In Old Testament times, it was crucial for a man to raise up a son after him that that son might carry on his name. To be barren, though it was wrong, not accurate, not true, to be barren was viewed as the curse of God on a woman. Hannah's barrenness is almost certainly what brought Peninnah into the picture as wife number two. And Peninnah began to bear children to Elkanah, many sons and daughters. Now the name Peninnah sounds a lot like what she was like toward Hannah, like a pin. She pricked her incessantly with cruel verbal stabs over the fact that she was barren. You're barren. You can't have children. I can have children. Sort of a na 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 na. Scripture calls Peninnah Hannah's rival which is translated from a Hebrew word meaning adversary. So you've got two women living in the same house with one man. Their emotions are torn. Their affections are torn. Jealousy and envy run rampant. And there's these constant mind games going on between Peninnah and Hannah. 
and it made Hannah miserable. The Bible says her rival, her adversary in her own house provoked her severely to make her miserable. And the Bible says that this had gone on for years. So it was year by year, the Bible says, when Hannah went up to Shiloh with her family to worship the Lord, that Peninnah, particularly then, when Hannah was to get close to God, when Hannah wanted to touch God, spend time with God, when they went up to sacrifice to the Lord, that's when Peninnah kicked into high gear when it came to persecuting, harassing, and vexing Hannah. Can you imagine every time you came to church, somebody came along with you who harassed you and heckled you and gave you a hard time? Don't look at your spouse, look at me. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Every year they would go up to Shiloh to the house of the Lord and they would worship and have a family feast. And particularly, here would come Peninnah with all of her children in tow. And Hannah had none. And Hannah was feeling the barrenness, feeling that she had no child. And instead of empathizing with her, sympathizing with her, offering a helping hand and a female ear to pour your heart out to, instead of that, Peninnah pricked her constantly with jabs and stabs verbally, persecuting her, telling her God wasn't with her, telling her God was cursing her, telling her that she was a failure, telling her that she was no good, telling her that she had not given her husband what he most wanted. If you can imagine that day in and day out and day in and day out, and you can't tell me that the kids didn't pick up mom's attitude as those children began to grow, they too had an attitude towards Hannah because this went on year after year after year. Those kids grew up some, and as they were growing up, those kids took on mama's attitude, and they also persecuted Hannah, made fun of Hannah, looked disparagingly at Hannah. It's been wisely said that you shouldn't really judge a person until you've walked a mile in their moccasins. Now, we can't walk a mile in Hannah's moccasins, but we can try to imagine how the misery index must have risen in her life year after year, as Peninnah's needle-like jabs and stabs must have made her dread yet another day of entrapment in a household where no relief was in sight. Where'd you go in those days? There wasn't another city to move to. You didn't walk away like that when you were a woman in those days. You were trapped. Couple that with the reproach of long-term barrenness, unable to give your husband the one thing he really wanted, along with the daily trial of watching Peninnah's sons and daughters laughing and playing, sitting in Alcana's lap and putting a smile on Alcana's face. And it's easy to picture Hannah's patience reaching the verge of breaking like an old rope. Hannah was in huge emotional pain. How many of you can imagine it? 
Say with me, Hannah had a major problem. Say with me, Alcana's household had big trouble. But Hannah wasn't the only one with a problem. For as we read the story on in the Bible, we find God had a problem also. Verse four tells us that when Elkanah and his family went to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to worship the Lord, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. We're told in chapter two that these two sons were corrupt. It says in the Bible, they did not know the Lord. These two sons of Eli ate the meat that was supposed to be sacrificed to the Lord. When you went to, up to Shiloh every year, you made a sacrifice to the Lord. It was a sacrificed animal. And instead of that being sacrificed to the Lord, Hophni and Phinehas would take this meat that had been sacrificed to God and would eat it themselves. They were trampling on holy ground, touching the sacred, abusing the divine. And if they would not give them the offering that was for the Lord, the Bible says Hophni and Phinehas would steal it from them, take it from them. But they didn't stop there. Hophni and Phinehas were busy. It says they were engaged in sexual sin with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. This was God's problem. Watch this now. Here you are, Jehovah God. There is a temple that is supposed to be dedicated to you. And your glory is supposed to reside in that temple. And the Bible says the nation of Israel had totally backslidden. The temple at Shiloh, the place where God's glory was to dwell, had been desecrated. And the priesthood comprised of Eli and his two sons was totally corrupt. God had a problem. It was so bad in this day that we're talking about right now, so bad that it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Rarely did you ever even hear a word from God. We come here every week and we hear a word from God from his word. But the Bible says that in those days, the word of the Lord was so rare. It was a rare thing when anybody heard a word from the lips of God. And there was no widely spread vision. The people were groping in the dark. They were spiritually in the dark. They had no word from God. Now, let me tell you something. The way you get vision is you get into the word of God. The way you get vision, you get into the word of God. You open up these pages and as you read the Bible, it brings vision, it brings purpose, it brings meaning. We begin to understand what we're all about. We are not an evolutionary mishap. Our distant descendants did not crawl as some amoeba out of some ancient sea and through a process of evolution, we became what we are today. We were created by Creator Jehovah Almighty God. And we were created with a purpose, with a design, with an intent in mind. We've got a reason to get up in the morning. We've got a reason to seek his face. We've got a reason to rejoice in the Lord. We've got a reason to feel like, hey, I got it going on because I know Jesus Christ as my savior and Lord, and he's really got it going on. And as long as I follow him, I got something going on. I'm walking in the purpose of God. But in those days, it was a rare thing. Can you imagine once a year, once every two years, maybe once every five years, hearing a message that was a word from God? So God had a problem. God needed to totally clean house 
and start over. God had something he needed done. And God has a problem today. Can I say that? God has a problem today. Now, not like we have problems. He's not up there going, what am I going to do? But he's got a problem. There are some things that God needs done. Millions are lost and headed to a Christless eternity. God's got a problem. Because the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to the knowledge of the truth. God's got a problem. Evil forces are at work right now to totally strip America of every vestige of Jesus Christ, every nativity scene, every mention of the gospel. I received an article just this week, an article that was in a set from a secular newspaper that was talking about the incredible attempts on the part of secular antichrist forces to totally remove Jesus from every public square, every mention, Christmas is coming, you're going to go into stores this year and you're going to hear happy holidays. You're going to hear God bless you, I guess, or whoever bless you. But here's what you're not going to hear. Merry Christmas. Nothing with Christ. Nothing with Christ. Not anything with Christ, lest we offend somebody else. But can I tell you something? America, don't let anybody fool you. America was birthed in the fires of Christian Holy Ghost revival. Can I tell you the truth about our history just for a moment? We didn't just come to be. There were not all kinds of different religions here when America was birthed under the hand of the sovereignty of God. No, no, no. If you go all the way back to the early American colonies in America, you would find people like John Wesley and Charles Wesley preaching the word of God, preaching salvation from tree stumps in open fields. You would find George Whitfield, the great English evangelist who sailed to America over and over again, whose voice could be heard by 30,000 people with no aid of a microphone because there weren't any. He had a voice like a bell. It carried mile, a mile or more, all on its own. Vast crowds would come to hear him. The English church kicked him out for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he said, very well, if I can't preach within your walls, I'll go to the fields. He went to a field where down in a cave, there were coal miners and he shouted down into the cave, I'm gonna preach the gospel of Jesus Christ today at two o'clock in the afternoon. And when George Whitfield returned, he was stunned to see a sea of coal blackened faces with little rivulets running down the front of them as they wept as they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and revival was birthed. George Whitfield came to Boston. George Whitfield came to New York. George Whitfield came to Philadelphia. George Whitfield preached the gospel. All they would have to do is come and say, Whitfield is preaching today at four in the afternoon and immediately people would go on horseback to the farms and the highways and the byways. And when he showed up, there would be a sea of 20 and 30,000 faces. And this man preached the gospel. You must be born again. You've got to come to Jesus. You need a heart transplant. He was eloquent. He was incredible. He was an amazing preacher. And America was birthed in that kind of revival. John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, and others like them. The early American colonies, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, northeastern cities, 
They were all birthed and baptized in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was revival in the very beginning days of America. Yet now people try to come along and say, none of that really happened. Revisionists, historical revisionists are trying to take away from us the truth. And I'm telling you, church, God's got a problem in America. Here's the problem. Not just that his son is being removed from every scene, from every place, from every store, from every public square, but his people aren't talking about him. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus will get back into the culture if Jesus gets back into the church. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.